Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Getting It Out Podcast. That was Dead Bars, the track Sinkhole. It's off of their new EP, also called Sinkhole. Yes, it's the title track. It's available now everywhere. It came out May 5th, May 6th, something like that, on really rad records. These guys have been around for 10 years, not even about 10 years, definitely 10 years, because they're celebrating their 10-year anniversary in 2023. And one of the ways in which they're doing that is with this new EP, Sinkhole. If you live on the East Coast, you like what you heard, well, you just missed your chance at checking them out. They just completed a tour from Washington, D.C. up to Montreal, Quebec, over to Boston, Massachusetts. But don't worry, they're coming back. On June 23rd and 24th, they'll be in Asbury Park, New Jersey, uh, playing with some other bands who you may or may not like at House of Independence. One night's already sold out, so you're really down to June 24th. If you just heard that track, you're like, I need to see this band right now. June 24th, Asbury Park, House of Independence. Rest of the lineup. I don't know. You check. Anyway, uh, these guys have been around for, like I said, 10 years, released a bunch of records on some really cool labels, most notably No Idea and uh, AF Records and uh, their own record label, Dead Bars, as well as Rad Girlfriend, Dirt Cult, Surferage, like a lot of them. They put out a lot of records over 10 years, it seems. Uh, but this one, as I mentioned, is on really rad records. The same record label as today's guests, the fellas in Dosser. Will and Brett join me for a conversation about what they're playing, why they're playing it, how they're playing it. Did we do how? We probably did how. Anyway, that's what's happening on this episode of the podcast. So we're going to get into all that. But first, you know, I know we don't go any further without stopping over in the hottest zone there is, New Jersey's hot zone. Check it! I wish I could learn things better. It's as simple as that. I wish I could uh, read things, retain the knowledge and uh, do whatever it needs to be done, whatever I'm trying to do. I can't do it, though. I'm not smart enough for it. My brain doesn't take in information the way I want it to. Maybe you have the same problem. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're like, what are you talking about? Just read it and then do it. I can't do it. Something something happens like it's like staring at a blank page. Nothing clicks. I got to read and read and do and do. And then eventually maybe something good will happen out of it. Do you know why it took me so long to figure out how to make all this stuff work? Uh, it took me six years and I'm finally getting a little bit of an idea. I still use pretty uh, rudimentary uh, tools to do the job. And maybe that's okay. Maybe that's a good thing. But I'll never be a master of my craft in anything. I don't think I don't think it's I don't think it's possible. Why am I talking about this? Well, because previously I had the audio difficulties with the microphone while doing getting it out podcast. And that required uh, bringing in a guy who's probably like 15 years younger than me. And he fixed it in like 45 minutes, maybe a uh, good guy. Actually, he, he has a cool uh, Instagram page where he instructs people how to do music production stuff. So it's like his wheelhouse, right? So uh, I'm, I'm thankful for him. I'm glad he was nearby. Uh, thank you. Ricky Armolino's uh, musician factory. And uh, then there's another thing I got. I got issues right now with the website, the getting it out.net. You can't see it. 
it looks fine to you on your end. But you might notice the last thing that was up there was a post about Spine, the Kansas City hardcore band signing to uh, Convulse Records, which is true. They did do that. And you can check out the track and get the album details. And then that's it. You haven't seen anything else up there. Even the most recent episode of the podcast I released with uh, Paris Mayhew of Agros is not up there because I'm like locked out. I, I mean, I'm not locked out. I can get in. I just can't do anything. Uh, something's not working right. And the guy I usually have uh, do stuff for me like that, Jared, who is a saint, by the way, who has helped me the entire time I've been doing this podcast since the very beginning. Well, since like episode, I don't know, 20. He's been helping me with visual stuff. And eventually I took that over and I do that on my own with Photoshop. But he literally built the entire website. I just maintain, do content. And uh, when something's not working, I got to go, hey, man, can you help? But this guy's, you know, got a family, got kids. He got stuff to do. This isn't a job for him. It's not a job for me either. It's just my hobby. But that's the thing. It's my hobby. So I can't uh, figure out how to fix it. And I post on these forums and I get responses from people who are very kind. And it's nice of them that they try to help me out. But I have no idea what they're saying. And I even like tell them ahead of time, hey, I don't know what I'm doing. So if you can keep it like as dummy proof as possible. And they do. And I'm too stupid for them. So what my point is is that I'm really bad at learning. Uh, I'm trying to solder right now. That's another skill I'm trying to pick up. Trying to solder because I want to recap. Let's put new capacitors on my 1962 Seberg jukebox in my garage. Yes, new capacitors on amplifier. Things I had to like look up before. And I got all the parts. I've probably had them sitting here for a year and just not confident in my ability to solder. But I have been trying to make a little tiny radio and I got halfway through and stopped. I need to get back out there in that garage and do it. And I will. But that that's easier because I can visually see what needs to be done. I can just pick stuff up and do it. But when I got to read, man, Jesus, there's no chance. These instructions are in, are in Chinese and that helps because I, I can't read. I just got to look at pictures and I can do that, man. You give me pictures, you give me uh, diagrams. Maybe I can figure something out. Arrows and circles are my friend. Uh, pointies, that's an arrow. Pointies and uh, circles. That's that's me. You're talking you're talking my shit. All right. You know what else is my shit? Now that you know about my technical issues, my shit is music that I really love. And Dosser, this new band who's not very new out of Baltimore, Maryland, released one of my favorite records this year. Violent Picture, Violent Sound. It's out now on really rad records. As I tell them in the conversation, I think I came across them organically or as organically as it gets these days. They were in the algo. Yeah. The algo. I've heard them. I've heard it. I've heard it. Uh, I've heard it. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I've heard it. Uh, what's abbreviated that way recently? My algo and uh, my algorithm on Spotify. And I really like the record and I've been listening to it nonstop since. And I think you should hear it too. That's why I reached out to them to have them on this podcast. Certainly helps that they're a Baltimore based band. No, I didn't know any of these people, uh, but I'm glad I do now. And I'm glad they have contributed this record that they did because I think it truly rocks. And I think you'll agree if you like this type of music. Now, it's not hardcore. It's not punk. It's not metal like I usually put here on the podcast, but it is Awesome. You know, I like my rock and roll. There's been plenty of rock and roll related episodes from getting it out podcast in the past. This one is another one. How about some evidence of that? You got it. Don't worry. Here's a song. It's called Kids. It's from their record, Violent Picture, Violent Sound. And then my conversation with Will and Brett. 
think I came across your band. I, I mean, I know I came across your band this year and I think it was just at random on Spotify. Just look, checking out new records. Um, I was listening to a lot of the new Narrowhead, So I was getting similar suggestions and I think that's how you guys got in there. And then when like, then I look at my email one day and I get an email from your record label and I was like, well, fuck, I want to talk to these guys. I already listened to this record. This is one I'm already into and uh, not totally um, representative of what I usually do on this podcast where it's mostly hardcore metal. But my other thing is that I just don't give a shit and I have whatever I want on it. So if it's stoner rock or metal or hardcore or punk rock or whatever, I don't give a fuck. And I like your band. So I wanted to talk to you about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thanks for, uh, yeah. Having us on. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of the podcast, like all the stuff you do and me and Brad are definitely the guys that probably listen to the, the most hardcore and metal in this band, uh, mm-hmm. or at least straightforward hardcore and metal music. Uh, so yeah, it's, we're stoked to be on here. Uh, Believe I'm, this I'm band. pumped that the algorithm's working. That's all I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, um, believe it or not, this band, like, Will and I jokingly started, we wanted to make a heavier, like, alt-rock band. So that I know of, we're the only, like, grungy, shoegazy alt-rock band that tunes in B. You know what I mean? Like, we tune all our guitars down really, really low, which are, like, metal tunings, because me and Will are, like, you know, we like a lot of metal and hardcore and shit. And we thought it would be a joke, but it translated really well. So that's kind of like how the band started out. So we are like, I guess in Will and I's head, like metal-ish adjacent. And the fact that like mm-hmm. the influence there, it doesn't necessarily show through in the music, but just put that fact out there. No, I can, I can, I can get it. I can hear it. I can, uh, I can see the connection and uh, I like it. it. It seems, it seems, uh, your sound can transcend several different genres and we'll get it. We'll get into that. But, um, <clears throat> I want you to tell me about the beginning. Where does, where does the band start? I think I read 2018, but how does the whole thing come together? Yeah. I mean, um, we all played in bands previously, like you lived in Baltimore and you know, the scene's so small and, um, Max had mentioned, he's like, Hey, like, you and Brett have a lot of like musical taste overlap and like writing style overlap. Cause our drummer Max and Brett were in a band previously called bested. Um, so like he was like, I think it'd be sick if the three of us jammed sometime and it went really well. And then Eric, I knew from this like screamo post hardcore band called when skies are gray. And he just had like this crazy thick, wild bass tone. And uh, I was like, that's exactly what I envisioned for that like heavy alt rock, you know, meets Mm -hmm. punk hardcore like image thing. And um, yeah, I mean, we started practicing in this like rundown auto garage in Remington. I don't know if you ever stopped by there and it actually used to practice down the hall from us and a bunch of other like Baltimore bands. I think Brat was down the hall from us too. By Um, any chance was Asthma Castle in the same place? I don't know. Or actually, Brett would know more because he was in a stoner metal band. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I used to play drums in this band called Tomb Toker. We actually played. Oh Lancaster. Yeah, yeah. We played Lancaster a bunch of times, but yeah, Asthma Castle. I'm. I know a couple of dudes in that band, so I don't think we played in the same practice space. But uh, well, I'm, I'm asking because I did. I I was in a Baltimore hardcore punk band briefly called Pleasant Living, and uh, we did one reunion show in the last 
few years when a friend of ours died. And I went down there to do one practice in one practice space. And I think it was end its room. Okay. Uh, so, so I, so I may know the, the, what the room was I, say that again. Sorry. Was the room especially shitty? <laughs> <laughs> it may have been, I don't, it, it was a practice space. So, you know, they, they all look the same to me. Yeah. They, uh, they ended up demoing that building cause it was just like way not up to code. Um, like, you know, not all the outlets work. Shit was always falling out of the ceiling from mold and stuff. Um, some rooms were better than others. We started in a really crappy room. And then Mr. Ron Ron felt bad for us. And he moved us to like a slightly less bad room. But it was just a wild experience. But the camaraderie of like seeing a bunch of other like Baltimore musicians there was always fun. And if, you know, someone like liked what you're doing, sometimes they'd knock and say nice things or vice versa. So it was yeah. tight. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was a fun time. Yeah, that practice space uh, scene can be kind of cool, can be really fucking awful, too. Uh, I was in we had one. Well, the first one that we had was actually in a, in a warehouse. Oh, man, I want to say like near kind of where Fayette and uh, President intersects, you know, right where 83 comes in. Yeah. Um, and the it was just this old warehouse and there were only a couple bands practiced in there that I remember. It was us in one room and a couple people shared our room and the other one was like the guys from next step up and they were doing a band at the time called bet the devil okay they, they were over there and the other room was hr from the bad brains bedroom <laughs> <laughs> that's dope. So, you, so you just have hr from the bad brains hanging out at the practice <laughs> space and you know it was just a weird sketchy factory and then we were in another one near like you know in greek town area that a lot of uh hardcore metal bands were in at the time, but a lot of like Spanish, like 10 piece bands were in there too. So they would pack into their little tiny rooms and you had to like, to get into the practice space, it was like a gated parking lot, like, you know, shitty, like just yeah. junkyard I gate. Right. And they would all pack it in with their cars. So you couldn't leave. Like you, it was <laughs> like, do you ever see those games that they, you know, they, they advertise those games now where you like got to get the bus out of the little thing. Yeah. You had to move. Yeah. It was like that. Every time you so, had to leave, you had to go find the room with the correct Mexicans <laughs> in it. And you had to get them out there. Cause their trucks were enormous <laughs> and they're just in there playing the bells and you had yeah. to, you know, get them out there. And it was a, it was, so nice, yeah, but. I, that was my first practice space in Baltimore too. Was that same oh, one yeah. in Greektown? Yeah. <laughs> nice, uh, nice. I was in a band that shared a room with like 10 other bands. And yeah, I remember that the like junkyard gate, cause Scott Gately owned it, uh, who mm. also owned the one in West Baltimore studio mm. 14. Um, yeah, that place was a ton of fun, but yeah, it was wild. My experience was like at the times we practiced, it was like probably Essex Dundalk daddy, like ACDC cover bands going on <laughs> in the background. So while you tune, you just hear like, the most hilarious like middle-aged man renditions of like <laughs> all that classic rock or or new metal there was a few some that got down with like corn and stuff so that was pretty fun <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome so all right so you guys you guys all uh get together you figure out this band did you know going into it what you wanted it to be um kind of i mean i feel like there was like i had an idea and brett kind of had an idea we there's definitely like like I said, like what Max, why he brought us together, like me and Brett was because of like listening to similar bands. So yeah, I think me and Brett, like we literally like discussed, we were like, yeah, like we just coincidentally had the same idea. Like 
we see all these like, you know, shoegaze adjacent, whatever, like, you know, alt rock punk influence bands coming and they all play in like standard or drop D or maybe a half step down. But we're like, what if we change the game and just tune down a few more steps? Like, um, Brett, you were really into that band floor, which is like the mm-hmm. band the, that proceeds the bomb towards. string. Yeah. The bomb. <laughs> I, uh, I actually got a pedal specifically to like emulate the bomb string yeah. before band really became a band and i was messing around with it and i was like i can't you can't that's floor's thing like that's no one can again or it's just like a complete blatant rip off of floor so i was just like you know what all right we'll just stick with the really low tuning and play like more catchy poppier riffs but just tune down low so they sound kind of you know sound a little bit sicker than usual <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we had a conversation about it. Um, and I feel like it was, I don't know, for me, it seemed like more of like a joking thing at first. And then I was like, well, I like a lot of heavy music and it would be cool to just hear some fucking straightforward, you know, alt rock riffage just tuned way lower. And it sounded cool. So we just kept going with it. Yeah, I also think it's just like I used to play in bands that were in standard and I feel like my voice would crack and stuff. So if you're tuned down low, you just like like a lot of bands will like write music in standard and tune a half step down just because it's easier to sing to. So I don't know. That was kind of like I was like, yeah, it makes it heavier. But also like me and Brett both have like a bit of like a lower voices. So it's just like it feels more natural to me, at least I feel like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like Will was saying, it's uh a little bit easier to sing like that because you don't have to hit a lot of higher registers. That is good for us because we're not great singers to begin with. So it's like a nice little fucking uh, security blanket over. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely like, I don't think, I mean, you, you got some pretty good falsettos in there. I pretty much have my like wheelhouse of tricks of like soft, but you get a lot more adventurous. (laughs) I got much more adventurous vocally on this full length than we did previously because we were in a nice studio. We had time to fuck around. And, uh, the guy that produced it, John Markson is a full on fucking maniac and just like pushes you and pushes you and pushes you. I was like, all right, I'll go for it. And it ended up sounding better than I thought it would. Sorry. I think it's a, I think it's a great sounding record. And that was one of the things I was going to comment on. Um, and I was also going to comment on whoever's doing the, the beautiful melody about I hate myself is <laughs> that's you. That's it's I was, I was just running listening to it while I was, you know, earlier tonight. And I was like, that's, you know, for the, for the lyrics that you're saying, it sounds really nice. You know, it, it really does. That's yeah. That's my entire writing style, dude. It's been <laughs> all the bands I've ever been in. It's just like super fucking morose. Like, you know, masochistic self-hatred lyrics over like super pretty poppy riffs and shit. You know, it's, I always loved bands that had that like extreme juxtaposition of like, they're saying something really fucked up or sad, but it's like, so you find yourself humming something and then like realize later, Oh yeah, this guy's, this guy's saying some fucked up shit, but okay. So that's, that's, I love that. So I try, you know, that's just kind of how it naturally goes for me, but I'm glad you noticed it. (laughs) I did, did, and you know, like, uh, so when I first started listening to records, any record really, it's all just sound to me, right? Like, in a, and I mean that in a good way. Like, I'm just taking in 
the noise of it. It's like, oh, this is a noise I like, right? And then it's like it's a while until I start like parsing through the what what you're saying, what the vocals are actually saying, what the lyrics actually are. You know, the melodies get in there before the words do. And then it's like like I've I've listened to this record enough that I'm starting to get through the lyrics. <laughs> like like it's but it's but it's taken that long. And that's just the way that I listen to music. And uh, so I haven't gotten in myself. I haven't gotten into what lyrically is happening much on violent picture, violent sound, but I'm, but what I have, I mean, like there's a few things like, like I just pointed out there. So I want to ask, or is there a theme concept, anything to the record, violent picture, violent sound? Uh, Brad came up with the title. So yeah, I feel like he would, yeah, probably have more to say about that. You know, I don't know if there was a cohesive theme for like each song that I thought strung them together. Um, but as far as like how I felt and like a lot of the uh, maybe the places the lyrics came from were I. It's no like fucking secret, you know. We talk about it pretty openly in this band. Like I've had real problems with like serious depression and anxiety over the years. And the only constant for me has ever been music and playing instruments is like fucking, you know, best therapy ever. Um, so it was kind of just like, uh, the, the album name is just uh, finding for me, just accepting that things are fucked and, you know, uh, life is fucking dark and you know i can't change how fucking crazy things get and so then i just kind of like started diving real deep into things like that and like enjoying the more disturbing and dark parts of life and i used to fucking avoid that shit at all costs like anything whether it be like a fucked up movie or just like disturbing shit in the news or anything but now it's like the more of that i consume the more I, I don't know, like the creative juices start flowing or something like that. So basically it's just internalizing how fucking dark things can get and then turning them into something that, you know, can be useful. So that's kind of where the name for the, the album came from. Good. I like that. I like that. I like the, I don't know, because it's, it's, it's so easy to just, toss aside the name of a record or name it something fucking that's easy. Name it something that's it's, it's easier to name it something that's easier to toss aside. You know what I hate more than anything when people call it a have a self-titled record, I can't fucking stand that. <laughs> I can't like, and, and so much, there's so many records I like that are self-titled. Right. I like, but on the other hand, I also, I'm, I'm a total hypocrite. Cause I also really appreciate when a band's just like, well, this is record one and this one's two and this one's three. Like to me, that's like a great, that's a great concept yeah. too. But yeah, but if you're going to name your record something, I want there to be something to it. And, uh, and yeah. I, I like the way you just explained that. That was cool. I was going to add on to that. You were asking if there's like a, uh, like a concept for the album. I, I didn't think there wasn't a concept like prior to writing like the lyrics and shit, but after the album was put together, Will and I both write very similarly in terms mm -hmm. of like, you know, just fucking, <laughs> it's all like depressing, fucking self-hating shit. Um, and 
we both kind of write in like a melancholic way. So it does. It ended up flowing and feels mm-hmm. kind of conceptual through it. And I didn't realize that till after we made the whole thing and I listened to it from like track one to 10. I was like, oh shit, okay. This, uh, you know, and then the album title just kind of made sense. And literally, violent picture, violent sound, just those words. For some reason, I would just hear them in my head all the time. It had nothing to do with playing music, it had nothing to do with anything like I, I at first i named the song violent picture violent sound and that wasn't the album name and i was like all right like it sounds it just constantly was floating in my head so i was like fuck it we'll name the album that and i had to convince a couple of the dudes to let us do that because our drummer was like i don't know man it sounds like kind of fucking metal and i was like well i don't care <laughs> yeah i think there's like a almost like a cycle of life kind of thing because like we definitely intentionally choose the way the tracks like are ordered which sequence like is dope but it's like also like in streaming days it's like well you know the real fans are out there doing that but a lot of people that come across you know they might save a song or two or listen to the top five of the day of what's in there but um yeah i mean i think you can tell that like joy thief and kids are like upbeat fun songs you know still about like dark material but then it ends, you know, with like inertia and, you know, that's kind of like more like end of life uh, stuff. Whereas like the beginning of it's more like reminiscing of like being young and like being reflective and like, you know, so it's almost like it's weird because we wrote a lot of the record in lockdown and I like feel like everybody in the world like aged and like came out of it like, whoa, what the fuck happened? Like, where did those two, three years go? You know, and like, you're a completely different person and the world around you is completely changed in some ways badly and in some ways good. I think music scenes and music in general is the one good thing I could say came out of it. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan. Maybe you've heard me say this before, but I'm a big fan of the pandemic. I wish we could do it again. Uh, I had the best time. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not making shit up. It was so, it was perfect for me. Um, but you're right. The, the way that music, this, like every, all across the board came out of it, I think has been tremendous. I think there's been a lot of cool things that have happened since then. And because of, because of it. Um, yeah, sorry. I was going to say it was great for people that fucking, uh, needed time to wallow in their own fucking bullshit and turn it into cool music. Great time for me. Yeah, I'm actually surprised there wasn't more. I'm surprised there wasn't more records made or written at the time. I, I know there was a ton, right? But I just thought everybody who writes music would write a fucking <laughs> rock opera, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think like everybody like thought that, but like honestly, in the beginning stages before we like, I think there was a few months before we decided to practice again. And even then we were kind of paranoid because before vaccines, we would all show up with like masks on and, you know, stuff like that, like to the practice space. But um, like, I was just like reliving my childhood and honestly having a good time. Like my partner's more social, but I was like, I'm just going to play GTA, like the trilogy, the original all the way through. I'm going to watch so much sci-fi and horror and smoke weed and drink White Claw and just have a good old time. (laughs) (laughs) You guys did release a record in the, or a, a, an EP around, I don't know, 2021. Were we still doing the pandemic then? Yeah. Right. Brain scan. Yeah. That came out while we were all yeah. still fucked. Right. Yeah. yeah. 
And it, that one was interesting because it was like secretly a re-release. We self-released that record, I think, in like 2019, if I'm not mistaken. And we like, did. and then, yeah. And then basically really rad emailed us and was like, we love it. But can you like trick people into thinking <laughs> it's like the first time it's being released and like remove it from a bunch of places and then we'll re-release it. And we're like, sure. Um, and that worked out. I mean, it got a ton of more attention because of that. Um and he had a lot of good ideas for that and stuff. Um, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, like Brain Scan was written. We started writing that in the first year of us being a band. We recorded it with Kevin Bernstein. I want to say, man, did we take like a year to write that? So it's like if we started in 2018, I guess we recorded it in 2019. And then it was, it was yeah, there was there was no rush. We just yeah. we weren't doing anything as a band. We were just hanging out and playing music because it was fun. So we just recorded what six songs with uh the dude kevin i don't know if you're familiar with him but he does yeah like, i recorded with him twice oh okay oh, okay yeah. you know, <laughs> doing like full of hell's record right now and shit so mm-hmm. we chose him because we're like again comes back to well this band is not heavy but we wanted to sound heavier so um yeah i think uh he was visibly like this band sucks, but he still records. <laughs> this, that's really funny because my band that recorded with him twice, uh, the the first ra- the first thing we did was just a demo, right? And we were in and out of there in a weekend, and it was like it's like hardcore, but it was also like street punk, like oi, like you know, like not his shit, right? Yeah. Not a Kevin Burt, but Dom put it out on a three eight nine, so it was like all Kevin Burt, like it all just it made it made sense. We went back to do the second one. He was uh, visibly less enthused about it. <laughs> you could tell he was like, you guys got to pick somebody else. But <laughs> we're like, well, we know where you live. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, he's, 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 he's a funny dude. He, he does what he does really well, but he's not afraid to just be like, yeah, I don't fucking care about this. Like, you can just see it on his face, but that's why I like him. It's funny, you know what I mean? So, yeah. But now he, yeah, I like the way that record sounds. a little bit rawer rawer that's a fucking yeah we had uh, like zero budget on that too so we also did that in one weekend and then we went back to touch up vocals for like a day that was done in like four days i think maybe five i think maybe five days whereas like violent picture violent sound was done in like 10 and like mm -hmm. long days like john would like we'd wake up early and we'd go until like 2 a.m kind of yeah john martin fucking maniac dude he's totally down to record for like 18 hours straight like <laughs> we were just like <laughs> at uh a, in the middle of nowhere in new jersey on a fucking farm and the barn was converted into like a really nice studio with uh like apartments attached so we just lived there the whole time and all we did was drink beer and fucking record like perpetually so it was you know it was it was it was cool it was definitely a different experience than i've ever had recording something so good well i only recently listened to brain scan for the first time and while i think it's fine i think it's not even close to what you got (laughs) on this new record like i don't think it's like i think it's what you i mean but maybe that just speaks how much i like violent picture violent sound like because brain scan is fine like I, i listened to it and like okay i hear it I hear what they were before. And I think it may, it makes a lot more sense to me now that you said it originally came out like 2019 because the leap that I'm here in there is like, what is it two fucking years? Not barely like, yeah. And they sound this much better. Like, 
So now the secret's out. Okay, now I yeah. see. There's really a four-year gap in there. And yeah, you can hear it too. Like it's funny. Like my voice. Like I guess my fucking balls dropped. Like <laughs> you know what I mean? And because my vocals really, they don't sound totally different. You can still tell it's me. But I was also like kind of fucking reserved. And you know, I'm a drummer. Uh, that's those are that's my main instrument. All the bands I've ever been in that I like did extensive touring with, I play drums in. So this is the first band that's gotten any sort of attention that I'm playing guitar and singing in. So when we first did that first record, I was like a little fucking just like, I wanted to hide behind something while I was doing it. Whereas violent picture, I was like, man, fuck it. I don't give a shit. Like I'm just do whatever I want to do. And it worked out better, but yeah, it's a, uh, I listen to both of them now and there's like a, you can hear like a total it's it does it sounds like a lot different and songwriting wise sounds like the same band but it's just like a giant leap just yeah yeah i agree with that well tell me about then will you mentioned that really rad reached out to you tell me about getting hooked up with really rad because i don't know i don't know full disclosure i don't know shit about really rad records (laughs) except they started emailing me a few months ago and now i check out everything they do and one of them was was yours and uh so so tell me about getting hooked up with really rad record because they do have some a lot of really rad records on their on their list. <laughs> yeah no they're they're cool i mean it's just it's mostly run by Gardy and their partner m and um honestly like it was Gardy emailed me through our band camp which went to my personal email at the time which i am terrible at checking personal emails like so bad at it um I have you don't like, keep it, you don't keep a clean inbox. What's no, wrong with you? Not at all. No, oh, it, it's disturbing. Yeah. Um, zero but, notifications, zero unread emails. That's <laughs> the way it should be. And basically, yeah. So I saw this email come in through Bandcamp, and usually it's like someone trying to like buy merch, but this time it was like Guardy talking about, you know, signing us and releasing Brainscan. But I was like, oh, like, who's this fucking clown? It's probably some jabroni who, like, wants to just, like, take a 75% cut and, like, make a lot of really cringe, like, I don't know, like, Microsoft paint, like, you know, like, flyers and, like, I don't know, you know, there's so many bullshit, like, vanity labels out there that just, like, want to screw bands over. But, um, no, like, I, I saw Soul Glow was on the roster, and I grew up with Pierce Jordan from Soul Glow, so I texted him, and I was like, hey this guy cool or is he full of shit? And they're not, they weren't signed to them, but they did like distro through them. And he's like, no, he's cool. And then I think. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I also hit up Skylar from Taking Meds, and he was also like, they're cool. So I got the two OKs from Trusted People. Mm -hmm. And then we went for it. And yeah, I'm glad we did. I mean, 
you know, for a small run operation, that's just like basically a couple running it out of their apartment or something like they definitely went to bat for us and, you know, got us to help us get to where we are now for sure. So yeah, it was um, really cool. And I'm glad that like, you know, we've kind of helped promote them and they've worked so hard. And now the label's growing. I see a ton of bands getting signed now um, mm-hmm. to them. Whereas before it was like us and maybe four other bands. Yeah. They're great people. I mean, they've been, they basically said that they wanted to put money behind us. Like right after the pandemic started and everybody lost their jobs and shit. We were like, are you sure? <laughs> but, <laughs> Yeah, so no, it's it's been very mutually beneficial, and uh, they couldn't be fucking cooler people. Yeah, in my limited interaction with with them, they seem seems seems awesome and easy to work with, and very friendly too. It goes a long fucking way, man. Sometimes, I, I mean, I know I'm not the only one who gets a thousand press emails a day. I'm exaggerating, but a lot of press emails a day, and uh, especially when you know they're coming direct. That's, that's, that's important, but also when they're just fucking friendly about it, that's, that's, that's a, cause it's a total, you, you give everything a chance that way. Uh, when you know, you're just part of the list and it's just a fucking MailChimp thing. It doesn't, who gives a shit, you know, whatever. I don't So, I, so it's, it's like a thing that I've learned. And I'm sure you guys have learned similar lessons in being in bands is that, uh, everybody wants something from you as long as it benefits them. Right to a degree but when you go to reach out to them not not every time are they you know reciprocating so you know it's it's real nice to see who's willing to to do that who isn't on a on a, on a real level because yeah. it's bullshit yeah. <laughs> like yeah, everybody's full of shit about how they're gonna do it and they don't but you know yeah, yeah. i think like eric was honestly like hesitant to join this band because he had such a bad experience with a small label that just like destroyed his old band, like made all these empty promises that they were going to like go on this European tour and like get all this vinyl and like nothing happened. And it just, you know, like they totally screwed them at the last second and just like disappeared. So I, I understand completely what you mean. And yeah, I mean, Guardy is like kind of like more like, like I grew up on a lot of like pop punk stuff. So like Mike Park, Asian man records, like uh, they're more in the spirit of that, like doing it because they really want to do it, whether or not it like benefits them monetarily. Which is a cool thing to do now because I don't think it benefits anybody monetarily to release music. <laughs> no, like, like the, the, the label, the band, anyway, I don't know who's fucking making music on this other than Spotify and I don't know, Pandora, Who, who's cashing the checks. I don't know. But, yeah. <laughs> but, what do you say, Brett? I said Spotify. Spotify is yeah, the one yeah. fucking ones making money in. Sadly, we got to play their fucking game. But positive spin on that. That's how I found out who you guys were. And that's how I found your record. And that's why we're all going to be stuck using this shit for the rest of our lives. Right. Um, okay. I don't know about you, but I like, like I always, you know, gesture to there's records all over this room. Right. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a physical guy as far as as far as music um but uh it's really convenient to be able to find find records on spotify on on my fucking phone and so that that brings me i guess to my question is how how have you seen the exposure of uh of your band expand grow since this record came out um i mean i think like honestly like we're all 
for better, for worse, kind of like couch potato-y when we get home from work and would probably rather not email a shit ton of podcasts and, Mm -hmm. you know, like uh, blogs and stuff. Like, it's just so exhausting these days, like having to like have an internet presence. So like on top of like doing all that social media shit, it, it really makes me happy when like, you know, Guardy's just willing to do a lot of the annoying stuff um that like is just tedious like sending it out to like online radio stations and podcasts and things like that and um yeah i mean i think that helped and then also just vinyl's tough to get and uh you know can be really expensive up front so like the fact that guardy was like hey band from baltimore with like that's never toured like here's a few thousand dollars worth of shit and go for it so yeah, I mean, I think they really helped us with the tools. Uh, I think Brett had something to say. Oh, yeah. Uh, me going back to saying fuck Spotify. I absolutely use Spotify every day, and I found more fucking cool bands off of there than I could ever probably previously have found. Um, it would be nice if they paid people a little bit more. But uh, <laughs> speaking of exposure... Um, I mean, you know, we're still a relatively unknown fucking band. Um, but, you know, the cool thing about like Really Rad, you know, they got like a PR company to, you know, a PR firm to back this record. And they did a good job of like p- pitching it to like big playlists and shit. So thankfully, you know, some of our songs got put on playlists with other bands that are much fucking bigger than we are. And, you know, I've had people, we've had people hitting us up ever since being like, Oh, I found your band because like you said, you were listening to Narrowhead." or, um, that's a guess. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what it was, but I, I, I'd have but to yeah, guess it was, yeah. Super heaven and all those fucking, mm-hmm. cause you know, right now, like we didn't purposely start writing music cause we magically knew that there would be a weird, like grungy fucking revival <laughs> right now. We were just writing it. And oddly enough, there's a lot of other bands, maybe not that don't sound the same but you know similar path and uh it's definitely uh the spotify fucking playlist shit has for sure gotten a lot more people to you know find us so i'm totally totally uh stoked about that and we definitely have to thank really rad because they didn't have to put that much effort into it but you know they did so yeah, no, it's very cool. Whatever it takes, you know, because ultimately, and it's like we all hate to admit it, but you want somebody to hear the fucking music, you know, <laughs> you're not doing yeah. it for nothing. It's not all just because it's artistic expression or catharsis or all the things that music serves, whoever, you know. Yeah, I like the community aspect, you know, I mean, like I still go to like at least a show a week and uh I don't know, like there's an online community with that too, where like, you know, we regularly talk to bands and stuff that we'll play with once or have never played with, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but you just like make friends and get to discuss things. Um, There's like people from Japan that like us a lot. Like there was a uh, group of like skaters um, that just like one of them had a tape distro. So he bought like a bunch of tapes from us and like Mm -hmm. sold his distro and they put our music in their like skate vids and stuff. So the community like and having people listen to it and write nice things to you is always like i think amazing like very rewarding stuff yeah mm-hmm. it's interesting how the music's getting out there around the world which is great and i know like this sound was 
a version of this sound was prevalent, dominant even in the United States in the nineties ish. Right. You know, you know what I'm talking about. So, so, so what's your experience with like this music the first time around or, and if you weren't there for it, how'd you get into it now? Yeah. So, um, I'm a little bit older than will I'm 34 and will you're 27. No, I'm, I'm 28 turning 29. Oh, my bad. But close. Uh, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, for me, uh, that was a massive part of my life. Uh, when I was a kid, my mom, um, you know, she had me a little bit younger and she was very much into music. She's the reason I play music. Um, my first album, she bought me uh, black Sabbath paranoid when I was like five years old and she bought me a walk band to go to on. Cause I was obsessed with, uh, the song Iron Man. So like, you know, starting from your first fucking album is a Sabbath album. It just, fucking went from there and she always had records and she was obsessed with like Nirvana and Alice in Chains and Soundgarden and, Sh- and Stone Temple Pilots and all those bands that were like radio so my second record was Nirvana in Utero which fucking just like blew my fucking mind it's like a what a six year old you know and uh, <laughs> so ever since then man it's just been like anything that's like a little bit catchy, like noisy, fucking just massive fucking pounding drums, dude. It's just, yeah. I mean, that whole scene like exposed me. I later, you know, as I became a teenager, got into like a bunch of like punk rock shit, but I was more into like the, uh, like the all punk shit. Like I was really into Fugazi and Sonic Youth and uh, like Scratch Acid and the Jesus Lizard and, you know, more on the noisier noise rock side of things. Um, but I would always gravitate back towards things that had melody, which was why Nirvana was such a big influence as a kid. But um, yeah, man, I, uh, I was young, but I still vividly remember listening to all those songs as they were airing on the radio. Um, so I've never been able to shake the bug. I've been in many bands over the years and I like metal and I've been in metal bands and I've been in other bands, but it's funny because now I'm in my fucking thirties and it's all going back to like, Oh yeah. I'm in a fucking nineties, like rip off revival band with like a twist of like new metal and metal in there. You know what I mean? So it's, it's just basically all the shit that I spent years like trying to evolve from now. Yeah. I'm just like, right. all comes full circle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I at least, you know, I was born in 94, but HFS was uh, incredibly huge. You know, uh, they had the HFS every year. My brother worked it. And I think I said this in an interview we did with American University radio station. But like, yeah, I mean, like all that music Brett was saying, like Nirvana and Foo Fighters and all that stuff, you know, from an early age, I was like, that is what music's supposed to sound like. Like that just resonated so strongly with me. Um, and yeah, I mean, just like I bought a guitar or had asked my parents to buy my first like Squire Strat pack because I heard like smells like teen spirit and like, you know, uh, sleep now in the fire by rage against the machine or something, you know, uh, like I just loved how pissed off and like just that, like, you know, distorted guitar sound was and like, you know, dudes just belting, like not even really singing, but it's still sounding so good, like glued to that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I definitely like, 
I still remember the era where like radio and CDs were dominant and even the death of tapes. Like I remember going to FYE when tapes were being like liquidated and I bought like DMX's Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood, Beastie Boys, Licensed to Ill and like probably a Nirvana tape, like, you know, for like $2 or something. <laughs> That's a steal. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. <laughs> Good. That's it. That's interesting. And, uh, I think, I think it makes sense. So I, I hear a lot of bands doing the, doing what is, all right. So, well, for, for context, I'm 38, I'll be 39 this year. So like, so I feel I lived lived through that era, you know, entirely and, you know, experienced it all. And, and it's interesting to hear all these bands now playing something that is familiar with a little twist on it. Like, like, like you mentioned, Brett, um, and I like it though, but it's not total nostalgia for me. It's not just like I listen to it and I hear back then. It sounds fresh too. Maybe it's because it's so far removed from when it was so prevalent. Yeah. So, so. I was I was going to add to the whole, you know, maybe it's just because it's far removed. I mean, there are bands that are out right now that for me, like I'm a sucker for anything that like has some sort of, that like harkens back to like, any sort of, you know, loud nineties type of sound, but there's also a lot of bands out right now that, and I'm not saying we're any better than any other band. Um, but there's bands that I hear that are like recycling the same chords and shit as like a lot of shit that did come out back then. And to Mm -hmm. me, it's a lot of people were like, Oh shit, I want, I'm going to make myself sound just like this vocally guitar wise you know fucking song pattern wise and that's something that we didn't active like consciously do we just kind of came together and it just so happens that i i guess never moved on from fucking you know writing fucking power chord songs when i was a kid but then it's like oh you know you learn a few more chords as you get older and we kind of put that into there so it's like Shit, I don't remember how to fucking go with this, but um, yeah, I th- I don't think I think a lot of the cool bands that are out right now aren't like consciously trying to do it, and when you do hear a band that sounds like they're consciously trying to do it, it's just like it doesn't fucking resonate. I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I I I think I I think I might know what you're saying, and I if you can correct me if I'm wrong, but what what I get from what you're saying and what I think this is my own thought, not yours. It, there are and i'll equate it to like a lot of there's a lot of um bands playing death metal that come from hardcore that you can tell are just trying to play as a just trying to make it a death metal band and i think you have a very much a similar thing with let's just say hardcore again band coming from hardcore trying to play 90s rock stuff or playing a pop punk band just trying to sound like they're like disguise it as like a 90s thing and it's not it's not the same it doesn't hit the same it's not because it's i don't know it seems it doesn't seem genuine um but and i and i think that's why you guys came across so well to me it was like when i listened to this record the first time i was like this i like i like this you know i mean it wasn't something i had to dig through it was like right away i like where this is coming from i like the sound i like the energy you got on it and i keep going back to it and i think there's other bands 
I'm, I'm trying not to name names and be a jerk. Cause I, I, one of the things I try to do now is not to be a total dick. Like I try not to talk shit on anybody's band. Like I only want to like talk up. So, um, there's, yeah, <laughs> there's, there's other bands who are doing a similar style to you that I think sound like they're forcing it. And I don't feel like you guys are forcing it. It doesn't sound like you're forcing it to me, whether you were born through it, lived through it or not. I don't give a fuck. It was just curiosity to me. The, yeah, you know. no, it's, it's, I don't know. It's just, uh, it is just weird right now that, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm still for it. I actually, I remember <laughs> probably like four years ago, I typed in Google cause I was just like really itching to hear like a noisy loud band that had some like catchiness to it. Mm-hmm. So I typed in like, uh, grunge 2020 and like nothing popped up. There was like a couple like bands that sounded like fucking silver chair and nickelback fucked. And it was- <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I did get to show Brett uh basement on tour. And I feel like you, you dug that for the same reasons. Like basement has mm-hmm. like elements of like grunge and alt rock, but they brought yeah. it in a tasteful way. It combined with yeah. Fun. Yeah, I, I, yeah, basement rules, man. But um, I was just, it, I just was like really itching, and like, as this is probably when we were still playing just for fun. Not that we're like a fucking serious band, but you know, we're actually trying to do something with the music now. But like, uh, it's just cool. I, I, I'm super stoked that fucking bands are coming out and like hearkening back to that '90s sound because every other fucking genre, or, um, every other decade has had some sort of revival, but I haven't heard like a, you know, full on fucking like nineties alt right. Like grunge was a term that people cringed at before. Now people are like, Oh yeah, grunge is fucking sick. And so it's like, yeah, I always knew that, but I'm glad other people are fucking into it now. You know, everything comes in in circle, you know, (laughs) I used to have to listen to stone temple pilots and like secrecy, but now (laughs) I'll like flaunt it. You know, I'll see like some, some people will still shame Stone Temple Pilots. I don't get it. Uh, I, I, you know, you'll still get people saying it's a it's a Pearl Jam ripoff, but I think it stands on its own. They had their own sound going. I used to think they fucking suck. To me, like Pearl Jam and Allison Chains and Stone Temple Pilots were all the like type band. <laughs> I couldn't do that because I was so obsessed with Nirvana. Nirvana had like such a like punk rock ethos that I was like, fuck these other guys trying to sound like fucking you know i don't know soulful blues dick bags like <laughs> but now i'm like you know what dude that was just because i was too afraid to like tell people i thought that like lane staley's voice sounded really cool but it's like no it just does sound really cool <laughs> and uh yeah man i think all those bands still on their own dude they're fucking i used to like not i never wanted to tell people before that i was like super into grunge music but yeah i mean fucking yeah, it it rules. Obviously, fucking everybody's out there still listening to it. Yeah, I think like hardcore was like probably one of the first to like scenes to like proudly do it. Like I remember I filled in for this like hardcore punk band once, and they were like listening to Alice in Chains and stuff, and I was like, oh, it's okay to listen to Alice in Chains, like you know, again, like not just like in my headphones you know, <laughs> on YouTube, so no one sees it on Spotify, like because your friends can see what you're listening to. Yeah. I had to keep it like a naughty little secret. <laughs> The Alice in Chains has always been cool as hell. I love fucking have, dirt, man. So good. Yeah, they have. I would just for some reason I never wanted to like admit it, but I fucking yeah. It's it all rolls, dude. There was an Alice in Chains song. I forget which. Wow, man. 
Was it Heaven Beside You? No, it wasn't Heaven Beside You. But it, when it was on the radio in the 90s, when it was new, they used to say fuck in the song. But like nobody seemed to notice. It was a weird one. It was just like always on the radio. And they said fuck in it. And it would just be there. And it was like, what? how is this getting, how is this getting past like the was world? It, was it again? I don't know, man. I don't remember. But I feel like it was off of the the, the self-titled record, the, the three-legged dog with the, so I remember having the yellow cover while well, the yellow case. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The yellow yeah. case, man. Yeah, man. I remember getting, I remember my brother getting that CD. Like it was my, fucking yesterday. My mom had that and my mom had dirt. <laughs> And I remember getting scared when I was like five listening to dirt. Cause there's some creepy sounding fucking songs on there. And I had nightmares about the chick on the cover. Like I had nightmares when I was a kid that I would be like buried alive. And so I was afraid of that album for like years when I was a little kid. Anyway, back to you guys, so back to your band. Um, sorry. I had to add just cause we were talking about, it, I wanted to get into that. I last thing it. I want, second to last thing I want to ask you, Baltimore Orioles. Are they a better logo or team? Oh, logo. Right now, they're both. I, you know, I've been to many Orioles games in my life and I never cared about baseball. So it's a real question, but I think, I think it's a great logo at least. Don't get wrong, dude. If you look at like all of our photos up until now this year too, I just see recently I got uh, this really sick. um, How we do this? It's really, I noticed it. Yeah. Nine inch nails hat. (laughs) The head and uh had like a whole hat and yeah. so that's stolen all of my other i wear lots of hats but this one's been on repeat for like the last six months but previously it was just a whole fucking array of o's hats but uh that's where the question hat- came from man that's what i saw in all the pictures that's, that's why i asked it i mean i, I straight up wore a orioles jersey to our release show <laughs> so Dude, i mean you all fucking get up so as you well, as you can see, we all fucking tend to wear a lot of Adidas shit. It started as a stupid fucking joke because I was obsessed with corn in like the early 90s. And since I was a kid, I just wanted that fucking sparkly tracksuit that Jonathan Davis wore back in like 1995. And uh, we all, you know, I got everybody to, we all bought tracksuits, different color tracksuits for uh, this live studio session we did. And that was supposed to be the end of it. And then it just snowballed. And now we're just like this huge fucking joke who just, we show up at shows and we're all wearing all this like head to toe Adidas shit. And most people love it. And you know, they get where we're, what we're doing, but we have people come to the merch table constantly. Like, so you guys sponsored by Adidas? We're like, no, we're (laughs) trying. Like that's the fucking, (laughs) that's the hope. But, and then a lot of people just like, you guys like really like you wear sportswear, but you're playing grunge music. I'm like, wow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's way better than the skinny jeans era. I will say fuck the skinny jeans era. It's so much more comfortable to play in some Adidas sweatpants. Uh, Brett, Brett's confident enough to wear Adidas shorts. I will not do that unless I'm very hungover. I did it once <laughs> in New York. We partied way too hard in Philly. And then I was like, fuck it. This is the night I'm wearing Adidas shorts, not Adidas pants. <laughs> I can't make it. It's too I don't fuck. What if, if everybody's always like, you can't wear shorts on stage, dude. It's the unspoken rule. And I'm like, look, man, I need, I need to be as comfortable as possible to play these extremely hard songs. 
<laughs> I've never heard of such rules. I say just be comfortable wherever you're at. Leisure wear. Uh, say it again. I was just saying leisure wear. That's 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 the future of music, man. Just fucking sweatpants, tracksuits, Baltimore Orioles hats. It's great. I agree. All right, guys. Well, last last question and real last question. And uh, then we're going to wrap this up. What is ahead for Dosser in 2023? Yeah, um, we already have studio time booked with the same engineer, John Markson, uh, who did the last album. Um, so we're really excited for that. We're just going to do two songs with him in August. And then I think we're just going to see where that takes us. Um, you know, as far as like, I hope that in 2024, um, we'll have more time to, you know, just play out of Baltimore more, you know, out of the DMV. So I would say, yeah, definitely look forward to new music, hopefully a new album by the end of that year. And hopefully we'll be coming to your city at some point. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, we're kind of taking a little bit of a step back. We did, we did some touring with like pianos become the teeth uh, over the last six months. They took us out and took us to like, some of the like heavy hitting cities with them. And that was fucking awesome. We are very grateful for them for that. And, uh, you know, that was right as the album came out. So that was, you know, that was perfect for us to like test all the new songs out on the road. Um, but yeah, like he said, we have studio time booked. We're going to put a double single out. Um, but (laughs) we're already like, I've already got like two albums worth of shit written for new stuff. So we're, as soon as we, have some extra time and we can put like a full two weeks into a studio thing we'll get back in there and hopefully 2024 will be a a good year for us as a band and we can actually like go out and tour you know fairly heavily and you know because the response so far has been better than we anticipated and you know we're just i like you can't see in here but this room is full of guitars like wall to wall and so all we do aside from working is play music so it's i'm just itching to record another album man so it'll be out soon enough well i'm still enjoying this one and i'm gonna keep enjoying this one uh for people who want to pick it up where's the best place to do that yeah um for vinyl, uh, really rad doing the pre-orders. We apologize for the delays because some people ordered them as early as January when they were listed. Um, but we will have vinyl in our hands hopefully soon enough when we start playing shows in a few months. So best way to get vinyl, come to a show. Uh, if you can't come to a show, get it through our label, Really Rad Records website or Instagram. Yeah, or actually we have a website <laughs> that they kind of run. You could, you know, is it Dosser? MD.net. I mean, if you just get go to the Bandcamp, you can get it through there too. Dossermd.bandcamp.com. <laughs> that that they have like it's all connected. Like you know what I mean? They have links to everything. I think you can even order through fucking Spotify now. It's like yeah, like, yeah probably. Crazy. You know yeah. what? <laughs> go to Instagram and click link in bio, and everything you could ever want, Dosser wise, will come up, and you'll, you'll be good to go. That's true. That's true.
So there you have it. That was my conversation with the fellas in Dosser. Did I leave in the part where I had to ask him how to say their band name? I thought it was Doser, but it's Dosser. Knew it wasn't Dozer, but thought it might have been. But guys, it's Dosser. Don't worry. I figured it out for everyone. It's the opportunity to ask bands how to say their band name is the greatest thing, the greatest luxury of this podcast. It just answers so many of my stupid fucking questions that I doubt by myself all the time. How do I say the name Shooter, the black metal band from wherever? It starts with a T, but it's followed by an S. Is it like Tsunami? Is it? But then there's a U and then there's a J and, you know, nobody ever knows. Nobody, even the guys who are in the band don't know how to say their band name. These guys do, though. It's Dosser. So I hope you liked Dosser. That song you just heard was glazing over. It's the most listened to track. I'm sorry, glazed over. It's the most listened to track from their Spotify. So maybe that means something to you. I think it's a very cool representation of the grunge sound that they are going for. And I think they nail it. I think they nail it all over the record, but uh, specifically that track, short and sweet, punchy. I dig it. Um, I dig the whole record. Um, I'm going to tell you that several times over, as I already have. Uh, please go check it out. Violent Picture, Violent Sound on Really Rad Records, available for pre-order now. The vinyl, that is. So uh, go scoop that out and send me one while you're there. Is it necessary that we get into a basketball update, NBA playoffs update? It, it might be. It always is. Uh, see how I'm putting them here at the end of episodes lately. Why? I don't know. It's just what I want to do. Okay. I'm just slipping them in here at the end because it means less to me now since the Sixers are out. It, it genuinely means less to me. Uh, the Nuggets have punched their ticket to the NBA finals and LeBron James acted like he was going to retire. I covered that in the last one. We all know that that is never going to happen. No, I mean, yet. It's not going to happen yet. So let's skip over that, which I think the media should be doing. Speaking of the media, why does the media always talk about the media like they're not the media? I don't I never understood that. Never understood that. The media is talking about you are the media. You can talk about whatever you want. You could argue that this is this is a form of media. I am. I wouldn't say I'm the media. Maybe I'm part of the problem. Look at me. I'm a hypocrite. Anyway. Up, up next is the 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 Miami Heat Boston Celtics game five. I'm a little disappointed. One game five, two game five. Uh, I don't want to give the Celtics and their fans any hope. I want them drowning in tears, in misery, and I think that day's coming, but it's not. It's not here yet. Maybe it will be tonight. I don't know. We'll see. Actually, I don't even know if game five is tonight in Boston. It is in Boston, which is not good. Uh, but nobody's ever come back from a three zero deficit, so. Whatever. We'll see. But if anybody would do it, it would probably be Boston. And uh, that sucks. But please, Jimmy Butler, shut him down. From there, Heat Nuggets finals, potentially, probably. Not the most interesting, maybe throughout the country, but for basketball people, it's a very cool matchup. And I'm going to try and consider myself a basketball person and watch that when I get the opportunity as it is afforded to me. Does that make sense? Um, that basically saying it's not a priority, but I'll try to make it one. Um, but yeah, I've talked for long enough now about basketball without really saying anything. So let's just end this episode and let's end it with a track that should have been on the Magnetic Eye Records episode. In fact, I even mentioned the track, but it wasn't available to me yet. And it is now. I talked privately to the Dosser guys about the Magnetic Eye Redux series. And I talked to all of you publicly very publicly when I did the episode with Chad Schickler, the head of the label, the label director, I believe is his official title. 
about the Magnetic Eye Redux series and we talked about the Soundgarden Best of disc that's coming out soon. And they released the first single. It's from Witch Ripper, who are fantastic and put out a great record this year on their own with the standout track Enter the Loop, but that's not what we're playing now. I played that for you before. This is their cover of Rusty Cage. That's it. I've got no more to say. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.